Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We're joined by Professor Thierry Brault. He's a professor at Sciences Po in Paris, leading expert on markets, geopolitics of oil and gas and energy security. He's also the author of a report titled High Energy Prices, Russia Fights Back for the Jacques Delors Institute in Paris. He's also a regular contributor to natural gas world.com. Professor Bro, thank you very much for coming back to the program. Can I just ask you to give us an overview of how things are in Europe as far as natural gas supplies are concerned? I read on your Twitter feed that they're far lower than they should be. People have concerns about heating their homes and having energy to get through their days. What's it like in Europe, and should we feel comfortable and untouchable here in North America? Well, uh, thank you very much. The, as you said, uh, we are facing a huge crisis, and this crisis is going to go global. So I don't think there, you, you can expect replication all over the places. Uh, to, to sum up what's, ha- what's happening in Europe, we've received 25% less Russian gas than normally in November. So this is a huge amount, uh, knowing that Russia is our number one supplier. And, and here, uh, again, the problem here, and you've said not nice to being politicians, uh, politicians in Europe are uh, half sleeping there and they are not waking up. I mean, in front of this, uh, you should be worried. You should uh, think about how's uh, winter going to unfold and you should uh, have a high level meeting with the Russian government to see why do we receive less gas. And here uh, we can have two answers. And again, we didn't ask the question. So we, we just can uh, think of the answer. One is there is a hidden agenda, a geopolitical game, and this needs to be uh, understood and factored in. And the other one, uh, which is perhaps a more naive answer, is uh, gas from Russia is uh, flat out. They can't produce more, and uh, they are facing some production issues that we are not aware, which means if this is the second element, we need to be uh, prepared for the end of winter because, unfortunately, we are, we are not going to have enough gas for uh, the whole winter if things are following this kind of route. Yeah, and last time, last time we talked, uh, you mentioned that certain governments, some governments in the EU, the European Union, and they are the energy-producing natural gas exporting countries, are starting to say, well, maybe we're not going to export as much as we're supposed to by contract and convention because we need to take care of our domestic requirements. And so the importers are going to be looking at a potentially very difficult winter. And you have some concerns about the OECD countries having a green narrative, and therefore you, uh, you, you wrote to me, putting more power into the hands of Mr. Putin and, and Russia. And they have a disproportionate influence. Now, if I can just add to that, there wasn't long ago that this country, Canada, was seen to be a country which could be a net exporter and a really good exporter of, of energy to the rest of the world. We now find it difficult to even match to take care of our own needs because of policies. So I, I don't know if I asked, asked a question or made a statement, but please, Professor Bro, sort it out for me. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, the U.S. has been able to massively increase their oil and gas production thanks to the shale gas revolution. We in Europe decided uh, for policy reasons, for dogma, not to implement any of this. I mean, there could have been some... uh, 
possibilities in uh, in France, some possibilities in the UK. We decided to avoid it for climate reasons. And if you do this, I mean, as Churchill always uh, told us, I mean, uh, diversification is the number one. Uh, security of supply lies in diversification and diversification alone. So if we produce less, we have we are putting de facto more power in the countries that are producing more, which is Russia for uh, gas and OPEC plus for oil. So that's that, that's really unfortunate. Uh, but again, we still uh, still think that this is not the problem. Again, uh, this winter should be a wake up call, and we should uh, in Europe be now a bit more worried about what uh, how we are going to get our energy and not and this is perhaps something that I, I like to stress and not just talk about green hydrogen I mean I'm, I'm, I'm really shocked to see that we are in this energy crisis in the middle of this energy crisis and policymakers in Europe are talking days in days out about hydrogen in 2050 I mean my problem in my spreadsheet is to have enough gas for the people of Europe in large until March next year. And I think this is not understood in Brussels. So what we hear repeatedly is that renewables are going to be cheaper and will take care of all our, our needs. And, and, and there's a sense that it's going to be happening in the near term. What do you, what do you make of that? I mean, renewables are not cheaper per se. I mean, it's cheaper if you uh, twist the spreadsheet, i.e. if you assume you're not going to need electricity when there is no wind or no sun, because you need a backup, and, and the backup is going to be uh, gas uh, if, uh, if you want to be the cleanest, uh, use the cleanest fuel. So that's the first element. The second element, uh, the dogma of the green narrative has been that we are going to reduce our energy consumption. And this is backed by no data. We've never made it. And, and so therefore thinking that people are going to reduce their uh, consumption. And so therefore we can retire oil and gas or coal and uh, put a little bit more of renewable and this with balance the system is, uh, is insane. And, and this is exactly where we are. I mean, I am in favor of massively deploying renewable, but I'm against the fact that we have to retire uh, oil and gas because this is what we are using now. And again, as we see, as we've seen in France, we've retired a nuclear uh, reactor. We've retired a nuclear reactor in Germany. We are going to retire in the middle of this crisis, starting from next year, more nuclear plants in Germany, and people think we can balance the system. It doesn't work this way. A renewable will have a, a long lead time. They are coming, but the, the amount of renewable that we need is huge and in no way enough uh, to be able for us to retire already uh, oil and gas production. And uh, Russia, let's go back to Russia, and OPEC are the ones that are going to benefit, are they not? Because they are the producers of the natural gas and the, and the oil. Even President Biden was just before Glasgow and COP26 almost begging OPEC to increase its production. So OPEC and the Russians will be the ones who will benefit. Is that correct? Absolutely. That's, that's a huge issue we are going to face in the years to come. I mean, from 1973 to, uh, let's say, 2020, we've built a resilient system on security of supply. We had the IEA. We thought of diversification of supply. We tried to make sure that the OPEC market share and the Russian market share were uh, 
uh, acceptable for us and for them. Uh, we, we, if we reduce our own production and we are reducing it in Europe, you're reducing it in Canada, this means that de facto we are increasing the market share and therefore the power, the market power of the producers stay, uh, staying there. And the producers that will stay there are the ones coming from national oil companies, i.e. the uh, OPEC countries or Russia. What does it say to you that Japan, just weeks after COP26, and the headline from, uh, I think it was uh, Bloomberg, was Japan is backing oil and gas even after COP26 climate talks. What does that indicate to you? Well, I think it's the wake-up call. I think we, we are back to, uh, are we going to stay dogmatic as we are in Europe or are we moving to pragmatism? I mean, Japan is, is an ideal uh, situation. I mean, uh, ideal, if you look at security of supply, they rely on the rest of the world. So if they made a mistake, I mean, they are going in blackout for sure. And so therefore, they've understood uh, after this crisis or in the middle of this crisis that they need more oil and gas. And again, uh, Japan had... Uh, uh, had plans for green hydrogen. I mean, those plans will perhaps take on. I mean, it's a technology bet that we are we are, we are right now uh, doing. But right now, Japan needs more oil, uh, more gas, more coal, by the way, uh, to power the economy. And and I think w- what we have to understand is, and this is what the Russians are showing us, uh, unfortunately, is if we do not master the energy transition properly, we are going to revert to coal i.e. to uh, pollute much more. And again, 2021 will be a horrible year in terms of climate for Europe because we will have emissions that will uh, be above, I think, the 2019. So in short, what we are doing here in Europe, we are experiencing an energy transition without gas. And the energy transition without gas ends up in people having to pay much higher prices and we are polluting much more the environment, i.e. unsustainable. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.